still got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans, for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan, Tom, to talk about another Bath defeat, Bath collapsing as ever, Tom, on Saturday, but how are you? I'm good, mate. Yeah, a few uh, few cobwebs still from the from the bank holiday weekend, as, as I think there are potentially in... Uh, with you as well, G. But nothing like uh, a good old wine with you about the latest, the latest bath goings on to, to to blow those right away. Yeah, fantastic weekend of rugby for sure, Tom. The bank holiday weekend, and yeah, I think we were having a little discussion over the weekend. Arguably, the best weekend of rugby of the year with those. Um, second legs, a lot of them really coming down to the wire. Some fantastic games, some fantastic performances. Um, but this is the Bath Rugby plug, and I'm not sure anywhere you're going to get 30, 45 minutes of talk exclusively about Bath Rugby. So that's why you keep coming back. Um, and thank you for listening and sticking with us through the tough season for ourselves and the club. We're obviously are going to talk all about that defeat in Edinburgh in the Scottish capital for, boy, for, for the boys in blue, black and white on Saturday evening. A game not televised by BT Sport, despite, um, despite the money we pay them, which was mind-blowing to me. And then also talk about some of the news that's happened in the last couple of weeks since we last recorded, mainly focusing around contract renewals, before we look ahead, Tom, to the run-in, the premiership running, four games left of the season for the blue, black and white. And we're going to give you the lowdown on what we need to do to not come bottom of the league. Before we get started, I'll just implore you to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on socials at Bath Rugby Plug. Um, actually, before we get into the, the, the Bath game, maybe just a word from you um, about the, the weekend that we had, the weekend that, that we watched and, and kind of the rugby that you enjoyed. Was there a standout game, a standout performance? Well, I think, I'll just second what you say. I think particularly as kind of a, a club fan, first and foremost, I think this is, this and probably the quarterfinals of the, the Champions Cup, it's, it's probably the best kind of days of rugby, weekends of rugby, of the of the whole calendar. There's so much competitive rugby. As you say, so many of the games were so close. There were some brilliant tries. Obviously, the weather was was great and made for some some really good running rugby. And I think the in the Champions Cup, the the kind of aggregate scoring element added a, a kind of new dimension, um, you know, that we that we haven't really seen before. I mean in terms of in terms of the games that I saw so Friday night, Bristol against Sale, a crazy game, just back and forth High scoring, red cards galore. Sale obviously picking up a red card relatively early doors, and then I think a couple more yellow cards as well. And then Harlequins Montpellier, G, a game that you I know were were at on on the Saturday. So close, down to one point on aggregate scoring. And Marcus Smith, who's been been brilliant all season for them and and and, and for England as well, sliding a conversion past the past the left post. So very very fine margins. Um, obviously Munster overturning Exeter at home to, to push them into the, the quarterfinals and we'll, we'll come on to that and Leicester handily beating Clermont on a, on a back-to-back basis and, and looking pretty good for, for, for the tournament, particularly if they can overcome Leinster. So very, very nicely set up 
for for a fantastic round. I think uh, what is it the first weekend of May? It was brilliant, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, I think I don't want to talk too much about the Leicester game. What I will talk about, and, and what I, you know, I'm, I'm quite a sad man, and and Bath are, are struggling hugely at the moment. But I do find pleasure in reading the comments uh, underneath the Bristol social media, Bristol Twitter post, and just to see how quickly things can change and how fickle some rugby fans can be. And yeah, with with many Bristol fans on the back of the coaches and on the back of the players after what's been a disappointing season for them. It's the little victories, I think, and that was a, a you know a wild game with with some pretty poor rugby and and, and some not great, not great stuff all round. But but yeah, extremely entertaining. And for Bristol to come out on the on the wrong end was was some solace to to what's been a yeah what was a tough weekend for for Bath fan, particularly with with Leinster um, with Leicester sorry playing so well and, and looking so strong with a former Bath man at the helm is is pretty difficult to take. And we will talk, you mentioned Munster there, Tom, and, and, I, and I know you've prepared a, a big a big section, a big section for our, our Munster Munch segment, which we'll come to later on in the podcast, where we talk all thing, the men in red from from Ireland. But but let's get into the the, the most important game on, on the weekend, Saturday, eight o'clock. Um, we we, we travelled up to, to Edinburgh, Tom, and, and put out an extremely, extremely strong side. Does this does this feel like an opportunity missed? Obviously, ending up forty one points to nineteen down, kind of taking the the game and the the first half and the way we played aside. Does this competition and this result almost feel like an opportunity missed, or or, or shouldn't we be surprised that we're not competing in this competition, given we are at the end of the day bottom of the league? Yeah, I mean, obviously a competition that last season we got to the, the semi-finals of, and arguably should have beaten Montpellier, who who, who looked, looked fairly poor in the semi-final at the rack. So I think it's it's a tournament that, particularly I think with our form over this year over 2022 to date, I think it's a competition we we you know we sh- we should be looking to compete quite strongly in. And I think what's what's past doubly now, mate. Sorry, why well, past? Yeah, well, we, we should be. I mean, we're going to be in it next year, right? And I think it's something that we. We 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 should be we should we should be targeting, but I think what yeah what's kind of doubly annoying is that it feels like our season was given it was kind of sprung upon us wasn't it this trip to Edinburgh we only found out the week before we were kind of dropped down after such a dire Champions Cup campaign so it felt like it given our season kind of a little bit of a, a kiss of life you know and it was gone it was so fleeting because it was like you know we, we didn't really know what we were up against. Edinburgh, I mean, no one, you know, neither of us really watched the URC. I don't think many, many Bath fans do. And obviously, you know, it's not really a good yardstick for what the, the Scottish and Irish teams are, uh, are like. But, you know, the aim now, after that's gone, is purely to not finish bottom of the Premiership table, to try and hunt down Worcester or Newcastle over the remaining four games. And actually, this is a tournament with Wasps waiting for us in the next round that we potentially... Not necessarily could have won, but we could have had a good run out and actually built up a bit of, um, you know, give something, give, given something back really to all the all the Bath fans that have, have, have stuck with the team for so long. So yeah, fleeting, and you know, with that season, the season essentially gone now, just chasing 12th place in the Premiership for the next month or so. It's a fairly bleak picture, isn't it? It's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I think if you're a, if you're an Edinburgh fan and you get the draw of Bath and you think. 
you look at the form guide, you look at the English Premiership table, you watch a bit of Bath, particularly earlier on in the season, and you think, great, that's a that's kind of a, a godsend of a draw. We, at home, we, we we should really fancy ourselves. But then you look at the the, the kind of the, the team that we were able to put out, and and some of the, the players in in that team, you know, it's absolutely outstanding, and, and and that's not always been the case this season. But with with guys returning and, and with internationals back, it was a really really strong side. But I think it's just we've said that for so long that 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 can no longer really be a, a, a you know really be true anymore. And, and I think we've just got to change those goalposts, haven't we? Like you know, we've almost got to change perspective on that team and kind of the expectations that we should have because looking at that team thinking about what we think Bath should be we should absolutely have a chance to beat Edinburgh you know and and go far in this competition but for one reason or another that team does never ever plays up to its potential and Bath as a club this season have been appalling and therefore, we, 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 I think it's almost difficult for me as, a, as an optimistic Bath fan to, to reframe that in my mind. But I think we absolutely shouldn't be surprised at this result. And if, if you're Edinburgh, you're licking your lips, really, at uh, the opportunity of playing Bath. Yeah, you know, I think, I think <clears throat> these are all still good players. And you're right, when you look, at, look down the list as, a, as an Edinburgh fan there, probably not watching too much Premiership rugby. You see Will Stewart, Charlie Yule's. Sam Underhill, Falatau, Spencer, Tokanasiga, Jonathan Joseph, Rocket Aguni. And you, you probably think, Jesus, this could be this this could be a tough game. But I mean, and it's, it's always the same when I speak to other fans or uh, you know, clubs of other fans of other clubs, sorry. It's like, why aren't Bath better with the guys available in the squad? And we're the classic case of, you know, if if, it, if we prove the old kind of adage true that 15 individuals are no good if if they're not then they're not kind of well coached and actually playing in a playing in a in a in a you know um, in a cohesive way so yeah lo- lots of good names but as we've said so many times not not pl- not played on paper this game and 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 often those those big names the ones you've just read out there a couple spring to mind certainly they're actually the players that that almost don't justify selection based on form and and, and they're not the players that that were, were were you know have been our our best players this season and and I think weren't the players who were were influential in in what was a an okay first half performance I thought you know we led 19-12 at the break and I thought we played pretty well I thought there were some a couple of glimpses of, of nice rugby I thought there were some outstanding individual performances Sam Underhill w- was absolutely everywhere Ben Spencer I thought had a, had a pretty good 40 minutes I thought Edinburgh were were generous to Bath in in some of the errors they they gave away and and I, and I thought we played okay but it was quite an even game actually and and we looked frail in defence at times and as did they but but I thought yeah we're obviously right in that game leading it by by four points at the break what did you make of that that first half performance well it was brilliant bright start wasn't it you know mm. I think under Glanville taking it from the kickoff almost breaking through the line but making twenty meters in the process kind of set the tone. And then a lovely sort of short pass from 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 Jonathan Joseph. For those who haven't seen the game, sort of go back and and look at that break from from Sam Underhill. Nearly gets over the line and then is straight back on his feet and bounding over from powering over from from short range. And suddenly we're seven 0 up and we're thinking, you know, this is <laughs> how many how many times have we seen such a you know a, a, you know qu- quick start um, and then to let Edinburgh back in it every time we score you know we let them back in it I think the lead changed hands five times in that 
in that first half. And I think, yeah, overall, we probably should have had, I think, more than a four-point advantage. You know, the two tries that, that Edinburgh scored, the first one was just a, an individual missed tackle from, from Max Clark in, in midfield. You know, he went too high on Blair Kinghorn, who I thought looked, looked pretty dangerous with ball in hand all, all day. And then the, the the second try, again, just a huge dogleg in defence in that 13 channel. Charlie Yule's hanging back, Josh Bayliss flying up. And, and Kinghorn, again, I think it was just, just it's an easy, easy gap, an easy, easy, easy try for Edinburgh. And I think the other thing probably we should, we should flag in, in, in the first half was that we did leave some points out there. I mean, Orlando Bailey, I'm you know, ne- absolutely not throwing him under the bus because I think he's been, he's been brilliant. And as a 20-year-old, you should, you should definitely expect that you're going get, to get some of this as he, as, he, as he matures into the role. But we did leave eight relatively straightforward points from the kicking tee, um, you know, two, two penalties and a conversion that we should have slotted. So I think we probably should have been further ahead, but, but we, we uh, I think, again, we, we showed, some, showed some promising moments in that first half. I'm not sure I'd be so optimistic, actually, Tom. I thought, whilst, whilst I agree on the defensive frailties that, that we showed, there's nothing new there. I'm not sure we necessarily applied consistent pressure on Edinburgh's line. We got the one try from, from a similar break from around the 22-metre line and, 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 and got the second try actually off the back of that, of one of Orlando Bailey's kicks, which hit the post. Mm. Edinburgh kind of then regathered the ball near their line, let it roll over their line, meaning there was no offside line. Underhill pushed over to kind of, kind of pushed, like kind of went round the ruck and touched it down. And I think the, the third try came from, from some lack of discipline. I'm not sure we were necessarily deserving of any more than, than than what we got. And 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 you talk about the missed points, but but ultimately one of those missed kicks did lead to five points. So you know, maybe slightly, slightly further ahead, but I'm not sure we showed enough in that first half to, to think that, that that we were far far the better team. We had we had seventy percent territory mm. in that that first half, about sixty percent possession. So I mean we, we 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 had the run of play. I agree. I don't think there was I don't think there was consistent pressure, but I think I think, yeah, Edinburgh, Edinburgh two tries felt like they were kind of more fleeting moments. Um, and I just think that, again, with Bath going in at half time with a relatively slender advantage after, I think, I think what I'm trying to say is it felt like we put much more into that first half than Edinburgh did. It felt like they had more in reserve and, and more left in the tank. Um, and and that, that proved to be the case yet again. I would tell Orlando Bailey. I was I, I really don't want to be critical of him. So I, I was trying to trying to look at some stats to 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 kind of back you know to try and backtrack on that a little bit because whilst he did miss those 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 eight points from the tee, you're right. One of them relates in, in in a try. So let's say net three points from the from the tee. He he you know. Earlier on in the season, I think we both said that his kicking off the tee was was a bit of an issue. It was a little bit inconsistent, and it's improved markedly over over the over the past few months. Actually, when you look at his kicking percentage over the whole season, it sits at seventy four percent, which I will definitely take for a first season at the helm in the the ten shirt. It's only if you look at some of his closest rivals, it's only four percent lower than than Callum Sheedy, who is I would say you know a pretty good kicker for. For Bristol, one percent higher than than Danny Cipriani, albeit he's not kicked too many. And I think, all importantly, one percent higher than than Freddie Burns at Leicester this season. So, 
So I think actually, you know, his, his kicking's come on, and over the course of the season, it's 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 been it's been pretty decent. I'm not sure they're his direct rivals. Let's be honest, but yeah, but it wasn't Bailey's strongest game, and it was interesting to see that Spencer actually took yeah. dropped the conversion for the third try in and nailed it. Casual <laughs> style, yeah. yeah That's yeah, the honestly. thing. I mean, that we was one of the Max Adroma said, wasn't it? Having Ben Spencer there, it just he's just such a good safety net for stuff like that, and yeah. he just. And I, I was pleased that I, I thought they might give him one more. And I was pleased that they, they took the kicking off him and said, yeah, Ben Spencer will nail these. So let's just, rather than, you know, you missing more and getting in your head and that kind of thing, let's just change this now. And, and Ben Spencer obviously steps up and does the job. He's so, he's just so calm and it just looks like he could do anything. Just, like the way just, he just casually just knocks so, He's so unbath like isn't he? Yeah, he is very unbarred. Like, I wonder if he could sort the defence out and the line out if he if he if he turned his hand to it. As I say, fifteen nineteen at half time. Both teams are threat in quite an even game, I thought. But then Tom, the same old story, and I feel like we could almost copy and paste previous conversations of the podcast in right here if we had the technical ability to do so. I, I've got written exactly the same comment. So that's <laughs> after, after four and a half seasons or whatever it's been, we are, we're very much aligned. Yeah, if you, if you could sort out your editing skills a bit more, we could just, <laughs> we could just cut and paste the extra podcast, I reckon, and change the names. It's tough, isn't it? Because, yeah, another second half collapse and an inevitable, it felt like, second half collapse. A little bit of a pull behind the curtain I wasn't actually able to to watch the game the first half of the game I was only able to to watch the second half of the game and you were kind of giving me regular updates through through the first half and I switched on and I, I said to the person I was watching I turned on with we were 15 19 up and I just said we haven't got a chance of winning this game and I, yeah it just kind of felt like it just it just has happened so often now that it just feels inevitable and I think, yeah, how many was it? 26 unanswered points in, in that second half. And that, that means we've scored three points in the last four second halves combined. And that was three points against Exeter in, in what was a, a horrendous collapse. And I think, you know, we've spoken, Tom, so much about the fitness and the lack of replacements and and, and everything like that. And I don't kind of want to over-egg that pudding again because I know we've done it. But I just think... What is so clear to me is that whilst me watching it knew that that was going to happen, the players have that mindset and they just, it's so difficult to then shake that out of a group of players, I think. And I think Max, I think I might have referenced it on the podcast before, when I spoke to Max Ajoma, he kind of said that, that they speak about how losing can become kind of a really bad habit and, and, and that can just kind of, whatever you try and do, it's very difficult to then shake out of that habit. And I think that's, that's just so clear. Like you could just see that once it started to go wrong in that second half, there was just nothing that, that they could do to, to, to kind of stop the tide and, 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 and stop Edinburgh from, from just rattling off points. And I think that ultimately comes down to a really, a real dire need for some, change in the leadership that we have and I think that's the only way you can change it I think if we continue to go down this path which we're not going to do thankfully I just think that it would just continue to get worse and I think the only way to change it is kind of fresh blood and I think unfortunately in my opinion that comes 
not just in the form of Van Gran, but I think also in the form of, of, a, of a new club captain. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we if we see that. Probably both the reasons you've you've said, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if you know that's something that that, that, that you know. I, I think if you're Charlie Yours, you're in, you're in a difficult situation in some ways. You know, you're not you're not, with, you're not with you're not with the club all the time, um, and I think it's quite hard to, as you say, change the mindset, change the messaging when you've got the same guy in charge. So I wouldn't be surprised if. If if that happens, G and I've, I've I've said in the past, I think Ben Spencer would be would be a, a really really good club captain. I think he he's shown leadership so many times in his relatively short Bath career. Only only less than two seasons he's been at the the club, and obviously brought up his fiftieth fiftieth appearance already, and has been instrumental in so many of those. So yeah, I I think it would also keep him at the club as I've, as I've said before. But but anyway, yeah, and I think. Sorry, go on. I also, I also, I also think that it would, it would just be doing Charlie Yules a favour at this point. Yeah, that's that's, that's what I'm, I agree. I think I, I don't think he that's necessarily something that he would long term suffer from. I think it would be good for his career. I, I'm not sure he's played that well for Bath, really. Certainly not this season. And I, I think he almost at this point does feel a little bit burdened by by this season. And it would be an incredible difficult, incredibly difficult thing to do. But I think with Van Grand coming in, you, you could kind of justify a change. And, and I also think with his England commitments, yours, I think it's important you have someone there that's, that's kind of yeah. able to be within the club uh, kind of at, at the toughest times, which at times yours hasn't been able to be there. I think that you kind of are seeing that sense of resignation a little bit. And, you know, he does those post-match interviews oh. just one-on-one. Yeah. And you could tell that, I mean, he's obviously bitterly bitterly disappointed he's one of the guys after the game that I think even if he wasn't captain would be looking devastated after every defeat which is one of the reasons that I really like him as a as, as a player but you can tell that he's almost lost he's almost at, at his wits end he, he doesn't seem to have the answers he's clinging on to the the, the few positives that he can find in, I and mean, he'd fit in well on this podcast to be honest G but I, I yeah I don't think it'd be I don't think it'd be the worst thing I think Van Graham will certainly have will certainly shake up quite a lot. I think Ed Griffiths as well will probably be looking to sh- looking at, uh, 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 at that position as well and, and trying to work out who's, who's, who's best to fill it. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if that happens. I'd like to see him stay at the club, and I, I, I think he will. I think he's still in contract, so I'd be surprised if we see him leave, leave, leave the club. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to, to see how that pans out when we know the full makeup of the squad for, for next season. Just a, one more thing on this game, really. I mean... Well, sorry, you know, Sorry, I think it's quite interesting chat, and I, I know that you went to a Bath game, uh, a, a sale. I think it was the sale game, and you were observing Ed Griffiths. I wonder if you kind of speak a little bit on 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 that and what your impressions you got, and kind of maybe give an idea of what what you you maybe think his role currently is at the club. Because we, you know, around the turn of the year, he was you know, brought in and that now it's all gone relatively quiet. I wonder if you could shed a little bit of light to the listeners maybe about what, what you observed. I think it's I think it's gone relatively quiet from a from an outside perspective, but I, I definitely imagine that tough conversations are already being had in preparation for the end of the season and and next. I think he was he's quite a um I actually just recognized him and at the half time and kind of thought is that is that a Griffiths and went up to him and and uh, made a comment to him about the about we were ahead at halftime at, uh, against against Sale at that point, 
And he, yeah, he sort of, it was obvious that it was him. And then, you know, after the game, he was kind of hovering around, just observing all the players and coaches quite closely. I think he's just trying to get an idea about who the different characters are, what the dynamics are, who potentially doesn't, who potentially has the right attitude that he wants to see going forward, that kind of Saracen-esque win at all costs, mm-hmm. hate losing kind of attitude. And I don't think that all the players always show that when we, when we, when we, you know, when we, when we don't, when we don't win. The other big thing that has has been a li- touched on the media a little bit that he potentially is 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 going to bring in is that they move back to Bath City from Farley House. I think his it sounds like his view is that it's a little bit cosy and comfy in in Farley House and that that maybe just the really nice surroundings aren't making for the kind of tough environment. You know, the spin sawdust rocky chopping wood and and running through the snow that kind of atmosphere that kind of thing which i think is probably a little bit outdated and and simplifying it a bit but i think it sounds like they're going to move to a new facility in bath uh, for potentially for for next season so yeah i think his influence is 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 quite significant it's no longer a chairman who is an owner and who has the club as a sort of a little bit of a little bit of not fun on the side is harsh because he's contributed vast amounts of money to the club and continues to do so Ultimately, he was an owner first and foremost, Bruce Craig, and then a chairman. Whereas Ed Griffiths has come in with a clear performance-based remit. And I think that's why we're seeing probably some quite significant changes. And will, I think, see changes over time with Griffiths. I think it's probably at this point gathering all the information that he can gather and then and then implementing the changes he can probably over the summer alongside alongside Van Graan and, and, and the other coaches that, that they've brought in. Yeah, and don't forget, obviously, the review when he came in prior to him being appointed chairman. I mean, that was, that was for him to make those, you know, those initial findings. And we heard about some of them, defence coach being obviously the, the main headline. But I'm, I'm no doubt that he probably put other more radical changes um, up for, for discussion. So I, I think he strikes me as someone who's probably got quite a firm idea of where he thinks the club should go. So I, I would not be surprised if we see quite, quite, quite significant changes to the current, current setup. And I think change can't come soon enough, in, in my opinion, Tom, just on the basis of, of, of another second half collapse, as I say. And, and yeah, ended up 41-19 losers at, at, um, in Edinburgh on Saturday night. Was there anything else you wanted to touch on specifically about this game, mate? Maybe just one. Well, maybe, maybe just... Maybe just I mean, there are a couple more points, but I know we've we've already been we've already been recording a little while. So I think we've we've, we've spoken about fitness quite a lot. We, we, we've spoken about leadership there. I think that's a good point. The other thing that really struck me is that what you need at that point in that second half, when you know the it's kind of next score gets the ascendancy, and then it's kind of it, it always gets away from us a little bit in that in that last bit. I think you need a bit of an impact from the bench, and we've had that at times this season guys have come on and added a bit of a spark or added some some physicality but I think when you look at the guys that came on no one added any spark any energy in that game and I think that was that 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 was really lacking I mean you're looking through that bench can you remember any one of those players doing anything of any note when they actually came on the answer the answer is sadly no so that's what uh, you know Eddie Jones calls them finishers because they they come on and inject that bit of pace um, to the to the game and that bit of bit of bit of energy to the game and I think we were I think on on Saturday we were severely lacking lacking in in from our finishers 
<laughs> yeah, they're not finishing. Not they're certainly not finishing very well, are we? We're finishing it. Uh, yeah, on forty minutes. Could be Man United striker. <laughs> let's not let's not get into that, Tom. Um, first, yeah, but, first only football reference I've I've made on on four and a half years of this podcast, probably the last as well. <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to be the tone of them. Then, yeah, let's let's keep those to a minimal. As Mo Salah just rolls in Liverpool's fourth goal as as we record, and I, I wonder why I bother watching any sport at all. Guys, I will be watching play for Bath for the coming seasons. Tom are are Abano, JJ, and Muir, who all announced in the week that they have signed contract extensions with the club. Um. Yeah, I, th- I think from my point of view, quite interesting that the, the, the length of the contracts wasn't announced. So I think JJ did say the next couple of seasons in the article and Muir it did say for the long term. But I think without that information, difficult to, to, to gauge exactly kind of how, how big an impact this will have. But I think still happy to see that we, despite the, the league table and, and what, what we've what we've done this season and, and and over the past couple of seasons, we're still able to attract and keep the the quality of player, particularly Beno Urbano. Definitely, I think all, all three of these, I think <clears throat> on balance, I was, I was I was I was pleased with, particularly particularly Beno Urbano. It's always hard at this point in the season to judge re-signings and new signings and people going because you know purely in isolation because I think until you know the sort of full makeup of what the squad looks like for next season it's quite quite hard to sort of see if those players are going to be involved and see where they're ranked in their various position, position groups I think Ben Urbano with all the talk about signing centres and the latest one Piers Francis fly half centre and wingers and flankers and Matt Gallagher at fullback the, the thing that's been crying out to me and that I've said a few times I think on this podcast is we need big fellas we need heavy lifters we need guys in the front row we need guys in the second row and we need props we need second rows and we haven't had any of that and Ben Urbano I think it's 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 always easy to forget when someone's had a long layoff with injury it's easy to forget how good they are and what an impact they they have had in the past when they played and Ben Urbano is is that I mean how many times if you were to listen back to these podcasts there'll be so many times when we've been singing his praises as being uh massively physical big carrier which we've definitely been 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 lacking strong scrummager just all round top quality loose head prop and it was obviously talk that he might go over to Saracens with 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 Mako leaving so to to retain him I think is I think I think is massive and obviously we've supported him throughout all his rehab I think built up a fair bit of loyalty he's been at the club a fair few seasons now as well so I was really stoked to see that I think it's a I think it's a uh, yeah really good bit of business what do the kids say preach I think yeah I couldn't agree more that that's that's spot on he's exactly the sort of guy we need to keep around and we just need to build build depth in that position and in the the, the other type five positions you're absolutely right the other two guys I, I, I'm pleased with um, I hope JJ's had a bit of a haircut I think it's the industry term um, and I think you're deserving of 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 a fantastic you know of a contract after a fantastic two seasons now um you know we've got a lot of wingers but it's he's consistently one of the the the, the best of those wingers and i i think he's a good one to to be keeping around i think these these contracts do bring bring into the light though one glaring omission of 
contracts renewal and we'll just touch on it briefly uh, and that's the fact that that Anthony Watson who who it's well reported is out of contract in the summer and he has not signed a new contract and it is being reported in the um, papers that he will be signing for Leicester Tigers which will just break my heart but fingers crossed that doesn't happen and and, and he has a, a kind of changes his mind um, I think Leicester Tom would be up there with, with one of the teams I'd least like to see him go to. <laughs> uh, it would be awful. He, he no doubt, as lots of Bath players do, then then turn it on against Bath and score. You wouldn't get in Score hat-tricks left, right and centre. So, yeah, I mean, from a purely emotional standpoint, don't want to see him go. But, you know, the arguments that have been made and that we discussed about, you know, from an actual value point of view, does he make sense? Maybe not, but I'm I'm leading with my heart rather than my head on this. <laughs> but, but back to the back to the just one thing on Will Muir. I think on related point actually, as you say, we've got loads of wingers, and he's done brilliantly. I think coming in and getting up to speed so quickly in in 15s. But I think he also represents really good value. You know, if you look down our list of wingers, I think there are some that are internationals they're proven their class but we are paying a pretty penny to have them there and actually the return on investment over the the last couple of seasons on guys like Anthony Watson Joe Thokonosiga as well mainly due to injury admittedly I think has probably not been there in a, in a world of you know with a, with a reduced salary cap you've also got guys towards the end of their their career at the moment so Rocco in particular who has probably over that time built up a quite a Quite, quite, quite a nice salary for himself, and 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 rightly so. But I think Will Muir, for the quality that you get from him, the consistency that you get from him, the years that he's still got in the tank, I think he represents very good value. And if you're in sort of a salary capped fantasy rugby sort of gaming scenario, you know those those drafts, I think he he would be he'd be quite a sly pick. So I think that's that's, that's a good bit of business. And on Jonathan Joseph, I think yeah, no doubt that his probably England days are now behind him. And, uh, you know, with the salary cap having been reduced, I think, that he, you know, the haircut will have been there. But I think actually he's now playing quite consistently to Bath. He's been one of our most consistent guys turning out in that 13 shirt. Hasn't had any injuries this this season. And I think is starting to not get back to his best, but I think is actually actually quite handy. What it does do as well, G, is probably put to bed finally that Diolande signing that, 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 was, that was talked about. Because obviously we've got other guys in that position as well. We certainly do, Tom. Uh, one of those guys, Max Ajoma, is up for the Supporters Player of the Year, which is being voted on currently. I thought, given we are kind of the voice of the supporters, um, I'm calling us that, why don't we kind of give some advice or give our pick for the Supporters Player of the Year? Um, yeah, I, I feel like, you know, in another football reference here, but you know when they have a football team has a really poor month and they don't score a goal in that month, the the team doesn't do their goal of the month award because because clearly clearly there's not much to choose from. I almost feel a little bit like Bath should do that with their awards this season, given the the quality of the rugby that, that that's been put on show. They're not doing that, and the nominees for the supporters player of the year are as follows: Orlando Bailey, Tom De Glanville, Josh McNally, Will Muir, Max Ajoma, Semester Rockadaguni, Ben Spencer, and Sam Underhill. Tom, you are a supporter. You do qualify for a vote. Who is your vote going with on this one? I've already voted, so maybe I should uh, maybe I should keep that maybe I should keep that to myself. It's, uh, it's it's personal and confidential information. No, there won't be 
probably too many surprise uh, too many surprise listeners to, to who I voted for. Wait, let me guess. Uh, I, I let me guess who you voted for. Go on, man. I think you voted for Max Ajoma. Correct, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I think obviously he's been he's 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 had a few niggles which have ruled him out for the last month or so. But oh, I think if you, look, think if you look I think if you look at the if you look at the season as a whole, I think he has on so many occasions been the standout guy, stood in at fly half when he's needed to, showed kind of the spirit that you want from from particularly young players coming through um, you know, during a season like we've had. And he's shown leadership as well. So and he scored some bloody good tries and been pretty outstanding with ball in hand. I mean, you you know, guys in the wider rugby circles talking about him for England and he's still only twenty one. So yeah. Max Adrema for me. I know you would have gone for Ben Spencer. I know you would have done. And <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not. I, I'm not listening. So there's no I point. Actually, trying to say. <laughs> I actually haven't voted. I actually haven't voted yet. So may, maybe you've persuaded me with your with your Max Adrema shout. And if Max gets in touch, then yeah, I, I definitely voted for you, mate. But I'm, I, I think I've actually voted for Tom De Glanville. I actually think he's been the best player this season. I think he's been absolutely outstanding. And I just think we're so lucky with him that that we almost don't realise how good a season I think he's had. I think he's superb. And yeah, I think I've not I've not made my final decision yet, but I think, yeah, I'm going to go with, with Tom McClanville, although I might just end up going for Ben Spencer. <laughs> interesting. Very interesting. I think, yeah, we kind of expect it from him now. And he has been classed, but I don't think we've quite seen the same bits of gold dust from him, maybe that we have from 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 Ajoma there. But I I will not I will not complain if, if he wins it because he's been he's been brilliant this season. And no no props obviously in that list, and and only Josh McNally of uh, as a as a as a front five, and I'm not quite sure how he's on the list. And so I think that that kind of that 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 kind of underlies the the, the issue that we've had. A lot of young, exciting talent has shone this season, but but maybe not in the positions that you actually need to play well to build a successful rugby team. Successful Entry, rugby. Entries close on Sunday, by the way. They close on Sunday. Well, I, I've got a couple of days thinking before I... Uh, You've got the Northampton Saints game to, to, to make your final decision. I will, be, I will be taking all the information. It's a segue for you. Well, I was actually. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, as as after four and a half years, you, you you've still not read the rundown that I send. I think it's your big moment, mate. And I think before we do move on to the to talk about Bath's running in the final four games of the season, let's maybe look back a little bit again at the weekend of rugby we saw and focus particularly on Munster in our segment Munster Munch, where we look at the team, obviously. With that are being coached by our incoming head coach and defence coach and, and with a couple of the guys who, who will be joining us. Tom Munster, fantastic victors on Saturday afternoon running out in the in the two-legged tie. Um, quite comfortable victors against extra Chiefs. What did you make of, of their performance and was there anything that, that Bath fans should know? Oh, so we're into the Munster Munch now. Have you, you've, you've taken that on yourself, have you? No, we're into it. Oh, we're into it already. Okay, so Monster Munch TM. Thank you, Andrew. Sponsored, <laughs> proudly sponsored by Monster Munch. Pick, no, we're not. We're not really. But if they want to, <laughs> want to get in touch, I'm happy to take payment. I'm happy to take payment in pickled onion Monster Munch or actual roast beef flavour. Won't be as happy with that, but I'll, I'll, I'll accept that as well. Yeah, it was. Uh, or in money. Again, 
again with this <laughs> again with this uh, feature, probably not telling people too much that they don't they don't already know. Yeah, it was a Munster hosted Exeter at, at Tone Park in kind of the the double the double header the the second leg of the the double header and yeah very well earned well fought twenty six ten victory against against Exeter. I, I saw I, I caught I saw some of the game caught up on a few highlights. Um, none of the the, the Bath guys Gallagher and and Clote actually actually playing in that game, but Peter Omani was was immense in the in the back row as 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 captain and Damien Dialonde who we who we we've spoken out a bit had some had some really nice touches. I think Omani won man of the match, but those two were 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 standouts. So yeah, twenty six ten to to go through to the the next round of the Champions Cup to face Toulouse. And I know this is what you wanted to mention, G. Toulouse at the Aviva Stadium being their home ground. Because, G? Well, I think Ed Sheeran's playing at Toman Park on that weekend, which, yeah, shows an immense amount of faith from the the, the people making those decisions at Munster that, that they were going to qualify for, yeah. for that round. I don't think that was a, a Graham Roundtree-led decision, was it? Um, <laughs> He's got, yeah. you know, I wonder what, you know, which one will he go for? I'm glad he's got tickets to both of me so tough 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 decision for Graham very tough very tough I'm not sure he can actually hear music with ears like that but <laughs> anyway he he on on the round you know he was actually confirmed as widely expected as as head coach for for next season with obviously the rest of the coaching staff popping over to to the rec pretty much um but yeah I think I think overall I mean main takeaway looking from a bath point of view to hold extra chiefs to 23 points over 160 minutes of of rugby when they're putting out a very very strong side is is very impressive. How many did they score in that second half against us? Yeah, exactly. That's and 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 also and also to do what they did in the latter state, the latter part of that 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 game at the weekend, essentially to pull away. I mean, I know there was next to there were two extra yellow cards, but to pull away in 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 the last twenty minutes is and and to hold Exeter from scoring is very impressive because as we saw, that's where Exeter really come into their own and. And, and start to punish teams. So yeah, very impressive and keen, uh, keen for a bit of that, please. Yeah, get me, get me a bit of that, hundred percent. I actually thought the the first leg that they that they played was was almost as impressive a performance. The way they held on at the end, or ultimately losing the game, but not losing by a significant margin, and, and being able to take that second leg to Terman Park. I thought they showed, yeah, an immense amount of character to to to, to kind of hold off that extra surge and. And yeah, that's exactly what we don't show. And and it, it will take Van Grand time to instill that, but, but but hopefully we've got the right man to to instill that. And Peter Omani was was absolutely awesome, if I'm if I'm being honest. And talk about the people we are bringing over, but he would solve the captaincy the captaincy issue in no in you know in one foul swoop. That's exactly the sort of person we need. No, you know I don't want to go back to that that conversation, but. But I just I'm almost at the point when I'd quite like someone an outside an outside player to come in and, and, and take that role. I almost feel like that's what that's kind of what we need. Um but fantastic Munster Munster performance and, and they continue in, in, in that competition. Bath only in the one competition, Tom, the premiership with four games left. We play Northampton Saints, Gloucester, London Irish, and Worcester. Currently, obviously, bottom of the table, three points behind Worcester and five points behind Newcastle. 
I think, you know, we are obviously fighting to, to, to come 12th in, in the league. What chance do you give us based on, on, on those four games getting what, what we probably need, a win and some bonus points? I think a decent chance. I think that's a that's a relatively nice nice running. I would say. I mean, you know, particularly with Worcester, who are our, our closest yeah. rivals for that twelfth spot. Huge. Uh, yeah, last game of the season uh, away at Worcester. Obviously, we beat them in the reverse fixture in that first win of the of the season. Or was that in January, February? Um, and then London Irish at home as well. And London Irish, a decent middle table team, but I feel like. Are also, I just think they're also they're also beatable. They're you know kind of fair, fairly loose, and I think they've had some fairly volatile results. So I think a decent chance. I was just having a quick look at mm. uh, at Worcester's running in in contrast, and they've got Wasps away, Saracens at home, um, and then us at home. They must have one more as well. I'm not I'm not, I'm not saying, but yeah, Saracens and Wasps, two tough games there. So you've got to back us to 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 get ahead of Worcester particularly if we can beat them in, in that last game of the season I don't know why I'm kind of it will be it'll be nice but it won't be it won't be memorable it won't be it won't really take the it won't really add any particular shine to this season but obviously yeah. we've got to we've got to hope for something as, as as Bar fans what what one thing this season will be will be memorable yeah <laughs> we'll remember well, it yeah, yeah. North, Northampton Saints I think we will remember them just, just, just talk. Just talk. Talking of that game quickly, mm. I think as a as as a neutral, I'm not actually going down to going down to the rec for that game. But I think as a neutral, that could be quite an entertaining, probably very loose game. I mean, Northampton. What are you? Are you a neutral now? No, no. But well, I think it'll be an entertaining game either way. But I think if you're a neutral watching that game, um, or on the winning side, I think it, I think it'll be entertaining. I think there'll be some. If the weather holds out, I think there'll be some good tries scored. Obviously, Northampton not afraid to throw it about themselves. Uh, fairly frail at times up front, and under the last couple of months, we've seen to have complete had a complete change of strategy, and now quite happy to to throw it about. Perhaps because obviously it doesn't matter in, in in the table, and also we just want to build up a bit of confidence. So, yeah, I think it, I think we could see some 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 quite nice running rugby, some offloading, some nice tries. Set piece has been and for quite a long time but this season being a big issue for Saints the scrum I think is the weakest statistically in the Premiership but I'm just not holding my breath that we'll be able to capitalise on that because obviously our, our scrum has been so hot <laughs> and cold and has mainly, has mainly blown cold for most of this season so, um, we've identified so, the issues we know we've identified the areas we could exploit just whether we've actually got the, the power and, and the game to exploit them yeah I think we've got. I think we've got it for for a period of time. I mean, against Exeter, we saw how dominant our scrum could be in that first half. I think we won four scrum penalties in that first half against Exeter. And I do think we can we can potentially dominate for a time. I've just got no optimism that a team used to losing bottom of the table with ultimately nothing to play for against a team who are right in the mixer fifth, and that fourth spot is so so tight. And a team that have won, you know, premiership games, you know, I think they've won three on the bounce in the Prem. So, yeah, I'm not holding out much optimism that when it actually comes to the crunch, we'll be able to hold on. But I think you're right in that first half, we may, we may see some decent stuff and, and it, we may be able to keep it quite close. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, as you say, being being fifth in the table, trying to hunt down that, that top four, they're probably going to have 
too much, sort of particularly in that in that second half. And I I, I fully expect us to be saying something quite similar come this time next week, G. But but prove us know, wrong, Bath. Prove us live, wrong. We live in hope, and I think we 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 have seen some nice moments. We have we have I think the the good bits have been getting better over the last you know over the course of the season, and I think we're catching up to the, the the competition. I mean, it was from a very, very low bar. We were so far behind. But we're we're closer than we were when we when we played them last. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? I, I just think that any... The problem is any strategy that we put in place, any actual tactics that we have, we're just not able to sustain for the full 80 minutes. And it's so hard when you're not scoring points in that second half, particularly against an attacking team like Saints. Mm. Yeah, I think I think we're on the same page with this one, Tom. So if you are going to the wreck, I really hope we are wrong and, and, and we are able to pull off pull off a victory and, and and yeah, hopefully you do enjoy the game. Thank you so much for listening again. Um yeah, we hope you enjoyed the weekend of rugby. We we kind of hopefully we've we've covered off all of the stuff for Bath and, and please do if you do enjoy the podcast get in touch with us with with your thoughts, um anything you'd like us to add and and your thoughts on, on the blue, black and white. And do please share with your friends. That's Easter done, Tom. Um, that was the, we, you know, we're the Easter, pro, we're the Valentine's present, we're the Easter present. I'm not sure what we're going to be now. Um, but yeah, please do share it with your, with your friends and, uh, and try and grow the podcast um, as best as you can. Thank you for listening, as I say. And as always, stick behind the boys through thick and thin.